You're listening to Potato Candy Network. Hello and welcome back to Blink Scenario. I am your host, Marie, a.k.a. Queen in Yellow. Oh, I am Casey, Casey. aka Grumpy Elf. <laughs> there is a delay. I'm going to leave that pause in. <laughs> and joining us again this week uh, to come up with a scenario blinking fast is Ken. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. Thank you. And this time I will try to come up with a scenario and not a campaign. <laughs> I love that you say try. There is no try. You either yeah. do or you don't. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, I've <laughs> I've lost my Yoda-isms. It's been too long. <laughs> So. I was like, he's not appeared in any of the recent films, so it's not really helped. <laughs> yeah. nope. Maybe that's why the films have had such a hard time. Uh, he, you need the one little green person in each film. That's what they need. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Grogu doesn't really talk, I don't think, in anything, so he doesn't sound like Yoda anymore. So, you know. One no, day. but I do, <laughs> I do enjoy The Mandalorian. It is a fun God, show. It was fun. I mostly loved it because I'm a cynic when it comes to Star Wars now. That my question is, why is the Republic still mm -hmm. here? It keeps failing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm kind of on the Mandalorian <laughs> side a little bit, unfortunately, but that's my own cynicism. <laughs> um, well, you know. <laughs> but that is Star Wars, of course, and sci-fi. We're over here in the fantasy realm, which is completely different and doesn't have any type of world magics at all that control the universe. Um, <laughs> speaking of universes. There is not... <laughs> There is not at all a warlock spell that has any sort of suspicious uh, you know, <laughs> relation to the emperor shooting electricity from his fingertips. Yep. Or the ability to choke someone from distance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, completely different genres. Yes. Great that this is an audio medium and no one can see my face. Anyway. <laughs> all right, so... To be fair with the internet as it is, I can't even see your face. Oh, no. I didn't turn the light on. It probably doesn't help, but it's too hot otherwise. This week, I actually have a little bit of an odd inspiration. So there's a post someone made on Facebook and one of the groups we're in. And I saw it and I thought this would be a great D&D &D scenario for someone to walk in on. So they, they apparently are driving home and they thought about the um, I Am Legend film with Will Smith. And the whole, yeah. like, like, you know, zombie eating brains and what happens to the rest of the body. And then they came up with the idea of a monster co-op. So zombies get the brains, vampires get the blood, werewolves get the meat, and you have your necromancer that gets the soul. And I thought this is interesting because in D&D all of these monsters can exist and you can give them all enough intelligence to make a functioning society work as far as a you know society of monsters and people who are like, you wander in, we'll kill you, and then we just dish you out to whoever needs you, I guess. So Casey. Hmm. Okay. I mean they they're also all very like horror genre uh, yep. creatures. So you immediately think of like the old Ravenloft genre. Uh, oh yeah. Strahd has been uh, <laughs> you know uh, I'll I'll go into my problems with uh with making Ravenloft less scary and Strahd less cool. <laughs> but Casey will agree with you. All right. And, you know, I mean, Lord Soth was one of the best parts of Ravenloft, and apparently that's never going to happen. Hmm. Um, but, so but that was this thing. oddly goes <laughs> with a prompt that um, I actually had as well that I don't know if we want to tie it in, and we can cut this if we decide to. Um, but Ooh. also was from an odd Facebook post that somebody pointed out is it possible for a ghost and a zombie to have the same body? The idea of a a zombie oh, I've seen wandering that one. around, I shambling love that. around, and a ghost looking at his own body going, why? Why and how? How and why? And I would love to see that combined with this one as you have this maybe a, a co-op of all of these monsters that's trying to put something together. And we have this ghost and zombie who is trying either to reclaim his own body somehow or is watching as all of these people are trying to take it down and maybe becomes this antagonist in this whole thing. It's a prompt that I've wanted to use at several different points because it's a mm -hmm. fascinating idea along with this co-op. But I don't know if we want to add this in now. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting too, because uh, you think about that and then you start thinking about zombies being a transport mechanism for the ghosts, uh, almost mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm, I'm thinking APCs. Um, but I mean, so the zombies are shambling out there. The ghosts are hiding inside of the mm-hmm. zombie body mm-hmm. until the zombie reaches the PCs, at which point the ghosts separate from it. And now you've got double danger. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> just throwing that out too. I mean, I don't know. Cause I think in D and D zombies really are just an animated corpse of some kind, whether right. it's a, and they're mindless. if you look at, yeah, the jungle, elements ah i forget which one it is now but we have the plant that can turn you into a zombie you can be brought back by a necromancer so a brain is kind of relevant in this world so it's you know the day zombies wander around they could still eat brains but they don't necessarily have to but you just need a body right so you could have a vampire that drains the body and then you have this necromancer gets a husk and now they've got so, basically uh, defense weapon I, I have to uh, give an official answer to this question from the Facebook about whether or not a ghost could inhabit the same body as a zombie. <laughs> um, officially, uh, as I'm looking at the at the monster descriptions, um, a humanoid that the ghost can see within five feet must succeed on DC 13 charisma save or be possessed. A zombie is an undead, not a humanoid. <laughs> so it can't possess it. Right. That's interesting. Which is really weird because you're like, but it's humanoid shaped and it's from humanoids, but there's technical types, right? Yeah. I imagine it would have to do with the fact that a ghost is seeking out a living host because if it's dead, it's trying to get like a way back into life and a zombie doesn't really trigger as living anymore. But lest we forget, rules are more like guidelines. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> yes <laughs> yes that is true uh, but if I gave you an official answer then you can do whatever you wish with it <laughs> right <laughs> break all the rules <laughs> yeah alright so So I still love the idea but, yeah. do we want to go with the idea of a zombie with a ghost like basically getting ready to bomb your players by possessing them and potentially the idea that this is like a defense mechanism for a town or potentially like your big bad has it i think starting from the monster co-op idea for me feels like uh like the better place to start maybe you guys have agree. a better better place to start But, like, a ghost inhabiting a zombie body is more of, like, uh, an individual encounter type oddity, whereas the monster co-op feels like the foundation for an entire scenario. Yeah. I think, too, in the idea of the co-op, just because of the D&D setting, zombies probably Mm -hmm. aren't sentient, so they're probably existing more as manual labor or basically just cannon fodder. (laughs) But werewolves, vampires, and a necromancer... Could definitely hang out and be friends. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like your your zombies mm-hmm. are like your sheep that you keep in the pen, right? Yep. And uh, I mean, I would say uh, werewolves. And now I have to look again in the list <laughs> of monsters because I don't know. I've always thought of a werewolf as somewhat losing its self control when it transforms into the werewolf. And becoming a bit more animalistic in its in its actions. Um, I think it depends but... upon the the version as well. In the earlier versions of D anD D, I think you could choose to be a werewolf and keep some control. Whereas I think in right. fifth, that is just you change. You're no longer controlled. DM tells you what happens. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, as far as like a an NPC werewolf goes, I guess when they transform, they don't lose any of their intellect or wisdom. I mean, wisdom makes sense, but their intelligence doesn't go down as they transform. So I guess in a hybrid form, they're still average human intelligence. 
Yeah. Casey, I know at one point you had, we had a werewolf uh, player character. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know for the class though, exactly how that was set up. Was it an effect of he lost control completely or just he might lose control? So the class that we used was a homebrew class that I found and it essentially made him an alpha is what it strived to do. So you were an alpha in the pack, so you had a little bit more control over it. And it did give, it essentially treated werewolves like dragonborn. So you had different special ability directions that you could go. I think it was like acid claw was an ability that you got, (laughs) as well as healing up from attacks because you had a constant heal that was, I think like 1d3 whenever you were in combat. So it was aiming to, to make a werewolf into some kind of an alpha werewolf out of the whole pack. For me, whenever I ran it, I told him that he had, and I can't remember whether this was from the class or from me, I told him that he was able to transform in stages. So he was himself that was a little bit more powerful than the normal human, and then he was a partial transformation that would happen, and then a full transformation that would happen, and he only completely lost control when there was a full moon outside. And that was your other side completely takes control of you. And as the DM, I get to decide what awful things you do to the Mm -hmm. things or people that are around you. So for that regard, I think it just depends upon how the DM wants to run it. I also told him playing as a werewolf, werewolves are bad things in this world. And Mm -hmm. there were essentially witch hunters that were out that if they heard rumor of a werewolf being around, that they would show up. And, of course, in the first session in the middle of a giant city, he decided to partially transform to scare some people. <laughs> so I immediately started the clock running on them looking for him. Okay. Oh, wait. Ideas. <laughs> so starting to think out through these things, I, I, I think we're looking at, like, a a territory. Mm-hmm. Here's an idea just throwing out here a territory that I'm wanting to propose is run by a vampire. Mm. This vampire was once, um, you know, human elf dwarf, whatever living creature who in life was known for being able to build alliances, keep peace, um, you know, uh, bring different cultures together, etc. Then something tragic happened. We can we can go with the classic, you know, lost the love of his life, mm-hmm. or maybe his entire family was killed, or or something like that. Um, and in the course of that, he is turned into a vampire. And and so maybe it was that they were attacked by undead, and he was transitioned into a vampire by another vampire or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or she, you know, I, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. But either way, then this vampire, using the talents they had in life, is bringing various undead-related creatures together or or supernatural-related creatures together, like the werewolves, the necromancers, the zombies, in control of this, let's say, barony. And the, the problem is, is that now villages on the edges of the barony mm-hmm. are starting to have people disappear. Mm-hmm. But uh, the goal of the vampire might be to utilize the power of the necromancers that he's working with in order to bring his family back to life, bring them to Mm. vampire life, bring himself back to human life, something like that. What are you guys' thoughts? I instantly am flashing in, how can we include Avatar The Last Airbender in this? Because (laughs) you easily could turn these different sections into factions that... are are essentially heading towards some kind of I don't know if I want to say all out warfare but essentially are heading towards some kind of collapse and all right now is being headed up by the vampires cuz in my mind as you were describing it I was like and then the necromancers attacked or and then the werewolves <laughs> attacked whatever it is yeah and the broke wolves apart came. because and he's developed this attacked. yeah he's developed this area of the world that is safe for all of these different beings of these backgrounds that are stereotypically looked at as evil. And one of them has decided to vie for power. You know, why does the vampire get to be in control? We have an election mm-hmm. every 500 years. And of course he's the only one still alive. So why does he mm-hmm. keep getting it kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. My mind actually flashes 
First of all, I was thinking Resident Evil's uh, whatever the most recent Resident Evil is, Village. And then I was thinking mm-hmm. seven, okay, eight. I'm seeing fingers. Eight, it froze. I'm gonna go with eight. <laughs> okay, Resident Evil eight, and they have the vampires, werewolves, and whatever the other person was. And then my mind actually shifted gears into the idea of the vampire creating sort of a refuge for themselves and their kind or those like them, which is Hotel Transylvania. Yes. Which is a really weird ref. But you have the Count who basically lost his wife and he's created this place that he can raise his daughter and also all these other monsters can come to and not worry about humans freaking out about them. And in D and D terms, if you have this Baron who is, you know, his keep was attacked, everyone is dead. Now these lands are cursed. People aren't going to normally go there, so of course it's a great place for all these monster races to just hang out. But as they get too big, now you've got the overspill of we need more territory. So we see infighting. You see them trying to fight areas around and so that bringing attention to themselves. So rather than being a secret, it's starting to get out of hand. So he's trying to keep a lid on it. To keep everyone safe, but the infighting is causing problems. And I mean, I like that. And that we could also like what is one of the things that a necromancer inevitably inevitably does? They inevitably become a lich, right? Mm-hmm. That's the end goal for them, yeah. Yeah. Uh so that could be very interesting with one of those vying factions. I mean if we're going to be level five or under, that might just be an, a, uh, a a goal of one of the necromancers that's working there. But you you could see that, you know, in the vying factions, necromancers are like, yeah, well, you know, our most powerful guy, he's going to become a lich and he's going to be able to fight against the vampire directly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I have a thought that this is something we've never done in blank scenario and it would be interesting to do to set this up to be an evil one shot that if you've got mm. all of these quote unquote evil characters have the the players in the world be the bad characters coming in to destroy whatever's mm. going on mm. and these quote unquote villains that we usually see being the ones trying to defend their home mm. so your players are sent in to take down this vampire but really he's the reason things haven't exploded yet Treat it like um, either a fistful of dollars or a few dollars more. I can't remember which one. But that you have these factions that your players are coming in and seeing how much they can get from these mm-hmm. groups. Because that's the thing. Like You're, you're always going to have those players that say they want to have their evil campaign. But we have never <laughs> specifically set up one to say, all right, here, this is going to cater to you and your style. Here are these innocent, simple civilians that are just as bad as you, quote unquote. Here are mm-hmm. these innocent, simple civilians and see what you can do to go in and mess with them. So then the question becomes, your your players become your antagonist. And then the question mm-hmm. becomes, what is it that they're trying to get? Because that's that that is one thing I noticed with the last one that we worked with, with you, Ken, on, is that we built mm-hmm. this huge world and then we we're like, okay, so where are we going to put the PCs in here? <laughs> and so starting, no, from, right. starting from our PCs, if we know that we're wanting to send on our PCs to be the bad guys, you know, let them let chaos reign in this group, mm-hmm. then what kind of world can we set up that they'll be able to go in and play around in? Because this could also simply be a sandbox instead of a specific plot. Mm-hmm. So then we could think about the idea, you know, you start the characters, surprise creatively at an inn. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at an inn at the foot of the castle of the vampire and the inn is run by like a werewolf and you mm-hmm. know there's there's skeletons there's zombies there's <laughs> vampires there's necromancers and you're just a part of that evil group of people and your goal here is to find uh, kind of a way to establish yourself in this um, you know uh city of evil i guess city of undead Mm. uh as a power player either on the side of the vampires or the necromancers or the werewolves yeah i like too casey you mentioned the idea of 
you know, like there's an election every year and the vampire keeps get vampire lord keeps getting elected. So for some reason he's managed to maintain power. So what if your players show up at a time of turbulence? So basically they can decide do they help the werewolves take over? Do they help the necromancers in becoming a lich to take over, or do they help the vampire keep everything in line? And they could very easily go through and say, We'll help you with this, and then, you know, backstab that group later on for someone else. So like I said, it's very sandboxy and that your players are really just kind of causing things to happen and then reacting when things don't happen the way they want them to. <laughs> I, I was going to say necromancers have an easy way to, you know, build an army with zombies and skeletons. Werewolves, you know, they obviously transition other creatures into werewolves and they are rather um, unspecific about it. Uh, whereas vampires, you always think of them as, as being very choosy about who they, who they yeah. next turn into a vampire. And especially because the other vampire might try to overthrow them. So you <laughs> might have a situation where there's two armies that are growing in power and the vampire just has less and less power of his own to hold on to everything. Oh, and yeah. either you need to help the vampire find a way to combat against those two growing armies or help one of those two growing armies become the thing. Just a thought. Yeah. I think what might help for us if we're planning on doing something that is faction related, that for either for the lock-ins or for whatever it is that we're working on, for me, it would be simplest to say, okay, we're going to have this group, this group, and this group. So necromancers, werewolves, vampires, and we'll name it hags. You know, we'll name just mm -hmm. one other one. And say, okay, here are these four different groups. They are all vying for power. What is one good thing that they can provide for the society? And what is one thing that they're trying to steal and get out of it? Because I think in that yeah. regard, all of these creatures aren't necessarily innocent in what they're doing. And it provides a good springboard for the players to not a not a single one of them can sit down and say well these people are the good people because look at all of the good <laughs> things that they're doing no they're not <laughs> ultimately they're all out for their own thing which is, it goes back to that that fistful of dollars idea of mm -hmm. these characters mm -hmm. that come into town and see how much they can get from all of the sides because all of the sides are both doing good and doing bad to what's going on and killing mm -hmm. off essentially the town in the process of it now i do think just so it doesn't get super depressing, you might have to set up a town where everybody is aware that that's going on and everybody is okay with it rather than having any specific, you know, set up a town that's essentially a giant thieves guild. Everybody's right. robbing from Paul to pay Mary or whatever. Yeah. Um, I would almost encourage it to be just those three groups though, because that gives us a good like rock, paper, scissors. And I don't want to do rock, paper, scissors, Spock. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. Do we want to go ahead for our first lock in? We have a town, city, however big you want to make it, that has the three groups vying for power. And I would even say for a second lock in have the vampire, baron, baroness, whoever you want to put in charge, as the current ruler of this town. So we've got um, the vampire who currently is the one in charge, who has been in charge, but that could change. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm that actually makes for my third lock-in. Because as I've been following it, I have Vampire Lord provides safe haven for co-op of villains, quote-unquote villains, city with groups vying for power, and then for my third one, I had that the players are the bad guys. Yep. Since that's the direction we've been talking. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, by bad guys, we just kind of mean a part of that society and participating in whatever they are doing, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I define evil with the players as the idea of selfish versus selfless. If you're an evil player, you're not, yeah. I want to burn everything down as I want to get what I want out of it. And that might just be, I want yeah. 10 gold. So if I get 10 gold, I'm good. I'm walking away. But, you know, the idea <laughs> of... I'm going to help this person because ultimately it's going to benefit me better. That can still be an evil player. Right. Right. It's about pursuing your selfish goals, no matter the cost. Yep. Versus, 
either pursuing selfish goals, but with a moral line that you don't cross or pursuing, you know, completely selfless goals. <laughs> yeah. Cause you yeah. then get the idea of like Walpa so. versus chaotic. Do you, are you selfish in the way that like, um, is it the, in the nine hells, the demon Lords are technically lawful evil. They are out for themselves, but they right. have a contract you have to sign that as soon as you sign that they get everything they want. But they follow a right. rule set. So it's easy to maneuver that. Whereas chaotic is kind of almost Jack Sparrow. <laughs> you really don't know what he's going to yeah. do to get what he wants. So you really have to watch him. And in that regard, going back to what I said, it is still rules or guidelines. It's so open-ended yep. as to the definition of what is yep. lawful versus chaotic and good versus evil. It's very mm -hmm. open-ended. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I mean, like the, you know, like the contracts they they often manipulate the contract so it's it's like a lawyer i, yep. I mean basically a lawyer looks at the law and figures out how they can get around it to get what they want mm -hmm. yep <laughs> so, yeah yeah okay cool cool so pcs are not good guys they're they're part of this whole bad thing the leader is currently a vampire there's the three groups vying for power those three groups are the vampires the werewolves and the necromancers yeah i think so okay and then, yeah, it's probably, I mean, I, I do agree with Casey, we, like each of those probably has to have a good thing that they provide and a bad thing that, that they cause. I don't know if we have to figure that out right now, but I mean, that way you, that way it's difficult to make the choice, right? Yeah. Like, in my mind, the bad thing, of course, is all three of them are killing people. It's kind of the default I go to. Werewolves or pro potentially eating or harming people. Vampires drink blood. Necromancers need bodies to be able to do necromancy. So where are these bodies coming from for all that? But werewolves and vampires don't have to consume humanoid hosts. They can do animals. Same with necromancers. And at the same time, werewolves are probably keeping like population control. I mean, deer are probably not running into the road in this area. <laughs> The vampire lord is keeping these monsters in one spot so they're not just roaming, so they're not in conflict with people. And even necromancers, I mean, my best friend died. Can you bring them back to life? Sure, 50 gold. There you go. You know, I, I just had the most terrible thought in the world. Oh, dear. <laughs> go on. Uh, this entire monster co-op their whole goal is to stop global climate change by reducing the human population. <laughs> that sounds like the um, okay. Castlevania TV show a little bit on Netflix. <laughs> so I'm going to throw this in here because as I was listening to Marie, this was a thought that went through my mind that connects really solidly with the theming of what you're saying. I think if yeah. we're accepting the fact that this town is a town of, that the town itself is essentially neutral evil, that is a selfish <laughs> town, then mm -hmm. the main moral issue that we have here should not be whether humans live or die. That said, right. I think what this ultimately becomes is a parody of whatever, you know, political system or whatever manner of power that we currently have. What is an issue that is out there that we can take? and just make fun of and if that thing mm -hmm. is reduce carbon uh, reduce carbon by killing off human beings then <laughs> so be but I, I think yeah the the issue needs to not be specifically they're dying or they're killing off people because this is an accepted mm -hmm. thing yeah. at this level yeah yeah I, I i do agree with that like when when we're we're dealing with uh the idea that the PCs are bad guys, they don't necessarily kill, care that humans are killed or the dwarves are killed or that elves are killed. Um, but, you know, I mean, like, vampires, werewolves, they don't need lighting. They don't need to hmm? cook food. They don't, like, <laughs> they don't, um, they don't contribute to the pollution of the world. Um <laughs> So, hey, is that our solution? Everybody becomes a vampire? <laughs> yeah, uh, problem is you need blood still. As a ginger, I'm halfway on my way there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, it's true. As a ginger, you officially do not have a soul. So, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, here's no a thought. No ghost for you. What if 
what if our and this I can run with this if it just needs to be in mind specifically. What if our main issue mm-hmm. is to do with um it's essentially the Monsters Inc. approach. They are finding a new source of power or they're finding a new source of some kind of something or another that plays to it, it can play to that ability of like the the human beings are prime property for all three of these parties, but there is this new supply chain that has been found out there that of course the vampires, because it's not standard blood, the vampires mm-hmm. are of the belief that, well, we need to stick with the humans because for the werewolves they're um, you know, play it out however you mm-hmm. want it to. Mm-hmm. But like a couple of groups are saying that it's great because they found a new source mm-hmm. for whatever it is. And they don't have to go out and find all these people because that uses up so much funds and time. Mm-hmm. And then they have to deal with all <laughs> of the people that show up wondering where their relatives disappeared to. And then they have to get rid of the, mm-hmm. you know, it's Sweeney Todd effect. So yep. what if they found, and perhaps mm-hmm. it's the necromancers that are heading it up because of all of their magical studies, they found this new source for whatever, items all three of them are needing and are trying to push for hey this is the wave of the future now we don't have to deal with x Mm -hmm. y and z and you could even go more on the monsters inc idea by saying the necromancers found a way to open a porter portal to another world where the werewolves have plenty of meat Mm -hmm. um but the vampires uh maybe the blood is not compatible Yep. Isn't that the vampire movie that came out? They had like the fake blood and the vampires were going crazy because it wasn't working. True really? blood. True blood. Is that uh, what it was? It's um it it's wasn't driving them crazy, but it was synthetic blood. And so it allowed yep. vampires to not have to eat on humans anymore because it was synthetic. But if you asked vampires, mm-hmm. they would always say that the real stuff is better. Yep. Yeah. They kind of treated it like non alcoholic beer. I mean, have either of you guys tried plant-based meat? Because it's not meat. <laughs> it, it's it's not yeah. bad, but it, you can tell it's it's not mm-hmm. beef. But I'm like, it's okay. It's also way too expensive yeah. still. <laughs> but it's it's definitely not what you're expecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and some of it's better than others. Like I, yeah. I've had, you know, what is it, Impossible Burger? And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. I could. But then impossible chicken, you're like, no. Yeah. I'll just have a salad at that point. Burger's good. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'll just, I'll eat a salad. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So for for the fifth lock-in, are we looking at the (laughs) fifth being the power source and then calling it there? Yeah, I I don't know what the fourth is. What's the fourth lock-in? Oh, um, well, the ones that I had specifically were Vampire Lord provides safe haven for co-op of villains, quote unquote. Players are Mm -hmm. the not good guys because I preferred the way that you put that. City with groups vying for power. So they're specifically vying for power within this co-op. And then the fourth one I had were vampires, werewolves and necromancers. So specifically those groups. Ah. Okay. And then, of course, for all of this, you can choose to use all five. You can choose to use one. You can choose to use two for whatever direction yeah. you want to go with your story. Okay. And then the fifth lock-in is that they're in pursuit of some type of new energy. Yep. Yeah. Some air, air quotes power okay. source. Have you want to define that for what they're using it for? Okay. I suddenly feel like we're going to see Elon Musk in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> He showed up in our campaign, no. actually. We had a group no, no, that no. was tunneling underground. And it's like, well, here's Elon- here we go. <laughs> it's Elon Tusk. He's a orc. That's gotcha. what it's going to be. Gotcha. Oh, man. I was just going to say that... Tesla shows up. <laughs> yeah. Tesla. Oh, man. Oh, now this is. That's a completely new scenario where you have Elon <laughs> Tusk working on his power source. You have Tesla, who's basically just an aging wizard working on his power source. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have like a Rockefeller, um, you know, big oil. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Edison yeah. who just comes in and steals everything. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that would be the end. The end game. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Edison just yep. steals it all. That's our sequel to the Michaels versus Joanne's episode right there. <laughs> there All you right. go. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do a five-minute scribble break. Um, okay. We've got a very open world scenario, but there's definitely detail. They'll be curious to see what we all come up with. 
So we'll do quick yeah. five minutes and then see what we got. All right. Now I have to not rip off Castlevania. <laughs> All right. I believe I am ready. I think I've got at least most of an outline. This is one I think I could spend more time on a map and on NPCs than I could on the actual story. Because it feels so open world. It's just drop the players and say, you're mercenaries. What do you want to do? Yeah. And I mean, for me, I kind of prefer that type of uh, being a GM where where I kind of develop a world around the, the players and then kind of events in the world happen and the players get to act or not act on them as they wish. Mm -hmm. But it does require a bit of uh, mature player base, not necessarily like, yeah. you know, mature as in experience, I yeah, should say. Yeah, otherwise the options get overwhelming. And you yeah. do still have to guide them on what options are kind of the most fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> Casey's mentioned it before. It's the idea not that you have a limited option, but you present them with a couple of options. And then if they want to do mm -hmm. something else, they still can. Exactly. Um, and I, I know that there's a group of people out there that are like, yeah, you give them fake options and every way <laughs> it happens to go to this one. I don't think I'm a proponent of that. I understand how that like helps create the idea of choice and reduces the prep time. Mm -hmm. But uh, I like giving people actual options. Yeah. <laughs> I think in campaigns that tends to happen more, but in campaigns as well, you have a lot of behind the scenes events happening. So the players mm -hmm. are going to end up meeting your big bad because that's kind of what they're working towards no matter how they do it. But it's not that they have to have this event, this event, this event before they get there. Yeah. Uh, I've actually had a campaign where this one was really interesting, um, where there was a big bad set up, but that the players opted not to confront the big bad. Really? The big bad took over the area that they were in and they still didn't care and just kept and it was a very fun campaign um but they ended up confronting other bad guys mm -hmm. and doing other things and the original big bad was irrelevant to them hmm. so it reminds me a little bit of fifth element and that yeah. bruce willis never meets the bad guy technically yeah that's very very true he really doesn't <laughs> does he even does he even meet um What's his face? The the human bad guy. No, he never does. The only thing he interacts with is the people who are trying to kill Leela. And then uh, at the very end, they're at the temple. But he never confronts any of like the head bad guys. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Even when they're on the ship together, they kind of never cross yep. paths. <laughs> cool. Those weird things that after hearing that, I'm like, no, that can't be true. I rewatched it. Yeah, they don't meet. They're just... They just kind of do their own thing, and they just happen to ripple affect each other. <laughs> I still think of that movie as a triumph in a lot of different ways. Just the way that they yeah. like stitch scenes together is is beautiful to me. The dialogue on it and the, and the scene stitching. I mean, there, of course, there's always problems with anything, but I, oh, yeah. I really think that's a triumph of a movie. It's okay. one of those films that, because we've had several years removed mm -hmm. from it, we're able to look back on it with fair eyes rather than ooh, this shiny new thing that's not quite as mm -hmm. polished as we wanted it to be. All right, Casey, I'm going to guess you're done. Uh, as done as I'm going to get. I'm not going to say <laughs> that there's a plot here, but it sets up for the world that it needs to have. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I will go ahead and go first. So I think all of ours are going to be kind of loosely open world-ish anyway. So for my open world and my knockoff Ravenloft um, Castlevania setting... We have the vampire lord, um, Lord Tesla, because I thought, why not? Nice. And he's discovered a new way to synthesize a blood source that the vampires can use. So he's decided to reduce the endpoints of humanoids. You know, the idea that every group here requires living beings to eat in some capacity or in necromancer's cases to create an army. So he's decided now that they have this new blood source that he can use and you know, no one else technically has to survive on humans. Um, and I'd say humans include any humanoid race just to make life easier because there's too many. <laughs> but since the werewolves can technically eat animals and the necromancers are human-ish as well and they can do whatever with their, uh, their kind of alchemical stuff, 
he's going to no longer bring in people to consume. Now, the other factions are not happy about this. So with the election that's coming up, in order to decide how you know this group is going to continue in the next 500,000 years, they are taking steps to stop this. The werewolves, what their goals are is they want to take over to continue importing people in for food and to grow their pack. And necromancers also want to take over, but they want the resources that the Baron has, uh, that Lord Tesla has, and they also want to gain lichdom. So their goal is to take over so they have the resources to get this last step for themselves. At which point they don't need humans anymore. Yep. Because once you're a lich, you yeah. don't technically need them, but you got to have enough souls to gain that lichdom. So your players are going to be mercenaries, and I would say they could be any race they wanted to. They could be one of the three. Maybe they're just kind of independent, but they're going to be mercenaries in this world. There is one last shipment of humans that's coming in before this election that Lord Tesla has said is coming in. I'm going to synthesize the last blood I need from this so I can make sure this works, and then that's it. No more. So your players are the ones being sent to collect this. So gets a little bit into like the idea of slave trade, so be aware of that for your players. But if you're doing this as an evil game, they're probably understanding anyway. But your players are supposed to go out, collect these people, bring them to Lord Tesla. He has offered them gold as well as a title. So they will get a title within this world, whatever you decide that is. They've also been offered other things, though. The werewolves had told them, if you bring us the people instead, you will get the protection of our pack, so you won't have to work again. Mm -hmm. And if you want to become a werewolf, you can. So if you have anyone in your party that wants to be a werewolf, that's a good option to take. Yeah. You also got the necromancers, though, who have made their offer. The necromancers, they need bodies, because that's their army source. So they're offering your players a lot of gold, as well as some very fancy alchemical elements that they've come up with that are very explosive. Whatever you think your players would be interested by, whether it's dynamite, TNT, if you just want to give them a bunch of health potions, even, the necromancers can offer this to the, your players free of charge. So your players now have the choice to make. Once they collect these people, they can deliver it to any of these three groups. Now, once they deliver it, they then have one more choice they have to make before the election happens. They have the chance to go and attack another group. So if they decide to deliver these people to the werewolves, they can attack either the vampires or the necromancers. And in doing so, they'll cause enough chaos that that group will not be up for the election. So whatever group they want to support, they can make sure everything goes in favor of that group, or they can try to screw over as many people as possible to get as much resources as they can. Because they could take the people, do three deliveries technically, not big ones, but three deliveries, get a bunch of resources, and then just run as fast as they can. Or they can buy in with one group, give that group power, and just wait for the fallout to happen, whatever that ends up being. That would be what I would set up for a Castlevania-esque world setting. Hopefully complete chaos by the time it's done. <laughs> I like that you have very well-defined like rewards that the PCs get for going with each of those three uh, groups. And they're, and they're different enough that different people are going to want one or the other. I, mm -hmm. I really like that part. Yep. I can imagine yeah. having three different groups walk up to your party saying, hey, bring us these people, and then just sitting back and watching the players argue over what they're going to do because they will have very different yeah. goals at that point. And then six <laughs> sessions later, they will yep. do the next encounter. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, this is a one wrong. shot. This could easily be like a campaign setting you just go back to continually and just see who's taken over oh, now. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, that was I a good one. I like that. <laughs> campaign settings every time. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. All right. Ken, do you want to go next? All right. Sure. I, I can go next. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that mine is half as good, but uh, I kind of started out with uh, the idea of the alternate source of energy and uh, why are they looking for the alternate source of energy? So I thought, okay, the backstory here is that, you know, this monster co-op has been stealing people from various villages bordering it. And suddenly 
you know, groups of heroes have been coming in and fighting back and killing a lot of the, the werewolves and, you know, a vampire or two and some necromancers and everybody's kind of freaking out about that. They're like, wait, you know, getting our energy source is a little bit harder now. So the necromancers have decided that they want to go ahead and start feeding off other evil creatures. And the vampires are like, no, we, we want to keep the alliance between various evil creatures or we're going to be, you know, hit both from the front and the back. But that's kind of the backstory. Uh, and the PCs probably aren't even aware of all of that. And it's the scenario starts. Uh, I usually try to do a scenario with five different scenes or encounters. The scenario starts with a necromancer approaching the party and getting them to hunt down and kill a drow hunting party mm. uh, for the necromancer's benefit. Now, you know, drow whatever, uh, they're evil race. I guess they're not evil anymore. They should still be. Um, <laughs> it, it, te technically, I think the deity's evil, but yeah, you, your, your world, you yeah. can argue it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> When they do that, the vampires get super angry, and I'm assuming the PCs are low level, so the vampires very easily grab them up and bring them up to the castle and are like, what are you doing? Why'd you do this? You have to talk your way out of getting killed by the vampires. Um, so that's kind of the second uh, scene of the scenario. And the third scene is you need to choose a side. Were you just lying to the vampires to get out from getting killed, or did you actually switch back over the to the vampire side and understand that the necromancers tricked you into doing something and are against the, the necromancers, and you choose that side by you know running a, a you know an operation to kill a you know minor vampire or low-level necromancer. In doing that, you then visit I'm I'm thinking of the werewolf enclave as kind of like outside of town, mm -hmm. um, you know, because they're they're wilderness space, all that kind of stuff. You've got to go into the always known as very dangerous werewolf enclave where they might eat you or might not, <laughs> uh, and speak with the you know chieftain of the werewolves and get him or her to choose your side. And uh, I didn't work out the details of how to make that happen, but that looks like another potential, you know, social encounter or go and grab this for me, like go get me 10 cows for us to feed on and we'll take your side or something. Mm -hmm. And then the last bit is just kind of the, the final showdown of who's going to end up in power. And I was thinking that in that case, there's about to be a final showdown in town, and maybe it's political and conversations, or maybe it's actually a fight between the two big guys. But the point is, is that when you're getting to that point, heroes show up to try to kill all of the bad guys, and you have to reunify and kill the heroes. <laughs> so there you go. I'm just imagining this poor, like, third-level bard who's chaotic evil... Yeah. lying to everyone at the yeah. very end just like the heroes are coming the heroes are coming and everyone's ignoring him at this point and then heroes show up <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly i don't know i i think i'm a lot more in favor of your your idea but uh you know i ran with what i had i love that because it almost feels like the town could be wiped out or the town could be reestablished potentially depending upon your, your yeah. players may even not make it out or they might be the only survivors even yeah also true yeah that has a lot of fun outcomes <laughs> we will end with the actual vampire in our group i guess yeah <laughs> so in the middle of what you were saying i actually came up with another idea that you know why not throw in the kitchen sink <laughs> kind of idea that added on to it okay uh, so i'll move that to the top of my list uh, so this story takes place in a town. I have not decided specifically what this town is, but your players have been hired to essentially go and destabilize this town. Your job is to set this town up to where when your benefactor arrives, that the entire town will be ripe for the picking. Now, your benefactor has not told you that you have to stay. It also has not told you that uh, any specific ways in which it's going on. 
but he has told you that there is supposedly a new power source that has been discovered in this town and that it might be specifically that that you can exploit to be able to destabilize the town as a whole. The town, when you arrive there, which is where you'll officially start your players off, you discover is technically fought over by three factions, separate but equal factions within this town. The three factions are a group of werewolves, a group of necromancers, and a group of vampires, each led by their own specific person who has been raised to a leadership role in this group. However, the one that is given the most uh, reverence outside of these factions is the vampire in specific. As your players continue through this, you'll be looking into what all is going on, and I'll, I'll give more specific details on it in a second, but... Um, as your players look into what all is going on, you're going to discover that the power source is essentially just a conspiracy. It's all fake. It doesn't really exist. And it was one faction's attempt to dethrone and eliminate another faction. So taking what <laughs> Ken had said in the setup, I took rock, paper, scissors, literally, and decided to set these groups up with the exact rock, paper, scissors setup. So... Like it. The necromancers have discovered a new power source, in quotes, for their required powers. They're telling everyone that their portal contains all of the food that you could require because it's a portal to another dimension. They found that there are specific magical sources there that they can pull from theirs, and it will have all of the food that the werewolves need, particularly leaving the vampires out to starve because the necromancers don't particularly like the vampires, and I'll explain why in a minute, but if you have to guess, it's probably that there's so much blood that the vampires have been around that there's just kind of a stench that arises in the village. And so everybody thinks that maybe the necromancers are just a bit too posh for this. The vampires may try to hire you on to seek the source of this power as they believe that they have the longevity to see fit to know exactly what they should and should not do in this town. Vampires mm -hmm. have been around for long enough. They have a big sightline on history and can lead properly however the issue is they're looking for a way to eliminate the werewolves from the city as the werewolves are a blight on an otherwise civilized town the werewolves are the only ones who don't seem to be able to control themselves control their appetites whereas the necromancers and the vampires have seemingly been living in peace they have no idea that the necromancers are out to get them out to destroy them the werewolves <laughs> really don't trust the necromancers as the necromancers of this entire group is the only one that have chosen their lifestyle. The werewolves and the vampires don't really have a choice in what lifestyle they have. They're just kind of playing the hand that they're dealt. But if the players deal with the werewolves, of course, because of their bestial nature, they'll have to be very careful that they don't attack the beehive and cause the werewolves to rise up and begin to overthrow them. Of course, as I stated at the beginning, the power source is a complete lie, an attempt to get rid of the vampires mm -hmm. who are a representation of the way that old things are being done and should end. The big <laughs> major factor within all of this is two things, actually. Number one, your patron, the person who has hired you on, is essentially a mind flayer. Your players <laughs> may or may not know this, but it is his attempt to get into this town and gain what power that he can. So your patron will show up at the very end of the game. Again, your players may or may not know this. However, the one thing that unites this entire town that nobody wants to talk about is the fact that this entire town, as far as faction leaders, is read by the, um, I'm going to do this again to myself, Povestepi <laughs> family. They are a family that the great-great-grandfather got turned into a vampire. He is currently leading that faction. The um, father of the necromancer is leading the werewolf faction. And, of course, the youngest member of all of the clans is leading the necromancer group. Mm. And so this one family leading the charge on all three of these separate fronts, if you are able to convince them to work with one another, the town may have a chance, or you can just burn it all in flames and watch it go up as... You leave the town with all of the power and all of the money and all of the supplies that you need. Moving on to the next. <laughs> Isn't it World War One? <laughs> <sighs> right. <laughs> so you can never go wrong with including an illithid. Mm -hmm. Like mind flayers are some of my favorite behind the scenes bad guys. Uh, 
They're so fun. So, yeah. Again, it was the fact that you said, um, what was it? When you were talking about the drow, you're like, the drow are evil now. And I was like, well, anyone can be good, except they don't let you play as a mind flayer because in their world, it, they're <laughs> bad. And then that just kicked off. Well, of course, there has to be an <laughs> ultimate evil faction in this whole thing. So there's my mm -hmm. lizard Spock approach to this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See, I don't know. The, the drow, it's interesting because the, they are an incredibly interesting alternate morality species if you take them traditionally. Mm -hmm. But everybody loved Drist so much mm -hmm. that everybody yep. made a chaotic good drow ranger that was male and destroyed yep. the entire concept of the drow. <laughs> and now Wizards of the Coast has just said, yeah, drow are basically good or neutral or whatever you want them to be they're just more elves yeah because yeah, everybody wants to see a good villain and it, it it actually removes the entire concept of the person going away from their uh traditional cultural values and it removes the entire concept of exploring various different cultural values across different species yeah so. yep. i think that's one thing i loved with the different cultures in D&D as far as the races go is you could have mm. two people playing lawful good with completely different mm. laws. You know, the idea yeah. of, I think of like in um, Aladdin, you know, the original story and that culture, like if you stole, you got your hand chopped off and that was common in a lot of cultures yeah. way back when. And I mean, just imagine D&D, just someone steals something off of you. You go to cut their hand off. People are like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, he stole from me. This is a punishment. But he's not yeah. in his culture anymore so you have this really weird combination of you have to adjust how you think but you've got these laws that you're both following just depends upon where you are now <laughs> yeah and i think those things are incredibly interesting and in the world building that i do and hopefully we'll get back to after real life stops being distracting um <laughs> i've used a lot of the uh the writings and the studies that people have done on cultural differences across the world. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, you know, various different aspects that, that people will choose out. And I have worked on putting, I mean, number one, my humans, I think there's like nine, nine or 11 specific different cultures of humans in the world. And mm -hmm. then we have three different cultures of dwarves and, you know, and, that's so interesting to me because you're right. Like you go into a different culture and they're like, well, these are our laws. They're not your laws. And you might run into that with two lawful good characters. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is fascinating. It's fun to mess with almost the perception. Cause especially with this scenario, it's that perception of what is evil. We have a vampire yeah. who is evil but the heroes that he's fighting, not necessarily the people that he's working with. So yeah. it does make you question that yeah. moral construct that we a lot of times will put on something. But I mean, even you think of Marvel, Thanos was technically the hero of his story. Was he evil in his mind? Right. Well, and I think that's where you go into, like you were talking about at the very beginning here, where I think the easiest way to define evil in the way that we as humans in the real world understand it is the pursuit of selfish goals without moral boundaries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we can get into whether or not any goal is selfish um, because even by being completely selfless, you might feel good about it, which could yep. make it a selfish, act, <laughs> but yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. Philosophical quandaries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We will go ahead and end that episode here then. Now that we've created a yeah. nice sandbox world for players. We haven't actually done that yet, I don't think. This is the most sandboxy mm -hmm. scenario we've come up with. Yeah, sandbox, yep. but it was also a scenario. So, yep. you know, I, I'm, I'm going to say I did not do a <laughs> campaign this time. I think I was the one that had the camp. I'm like, this is my campaign now. I'm like, I just, I just want to set up this world. So if I ever need a one shot, I can just say, you guys are mercenaries in a monster town. Um you're hired to do this thing and just be done with it. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll just nice. recurring like town it. setting. It works. <laughs> yep. I like it. I like it. Yep. 
thank you for coming back on, Ken. It was a blast to have you. Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you very much. I appreciated it. We are going to go ahead and leave that scenario here. So we will see y'all next time. All right. See you later. Hello, Bob Spuds here on the scene once again reporting for Potato Candy Network. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. If you have a scenario prompt you want us to use, send it to us on social networking with Instagram and Facebook at Potato Candy Network. And if you really liked us, consider supporting us on Patreon for bonus content monthly, such as behind-the-scenes sneak peeks, inspirations, and future episode previews. Check out our brother show, Dreadful Tales, for some taut tension full truly terrifying tales of terror. <laughs> Got that on the first try, you know. And finally, please leave us a review, as it helps your recommendations and helps others find the hard work we do here at Potato Candy Network. Oh, and friendly reminder, if someone asks you if you're a god, don't think of marshmallows. <laughs> Nobody likes that guy.